All right, good morning, everyone. So uh, it is awesome to be here. My name is Holland. Uh, as, as Josh introduced me, uh, I'm, I'm over at Eastside Community Church. Uh, I miss my church. It's going on right now. And so I'm like missing being there, but so excited to be with you guys and bring the word. And so uh, if you have a Bible with you, uh, now's the time to grab it, uh, bring, get that out, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, that's where we're going to spend our time in this morning. Uh, if you need a Bible, if you don't have one, I believe if you just raise your hands, uh, some of the Wells ushers will come and bring you one. Uh, and you can use that this morning. If you don't have a Bible at all, uh, you can keep that, take it home, uh, write your name in it, highlight it, I mean, make it your own and have the Word of God with you is what we're going to be talking about this morning, of saturating our lives with the Word of God. So, uh, so as you guys are, are turning there, oh, I'll remember this. There's also, if you use version, like the smartphone App, uh, I put, I think I did it right, I put my notes and stuff in there, and so if y'all want to open that up and hit, uh, like, find events, the well, all the stuff will be in there, too. I think that's neat. I'd never even heard of that before I got here, so uh, if y'all want to use that, as you guys are turning there, getting your Bibles open to Deuteronomy, it's the fifth book in the Bible, if you don't know where that is, uh, it's toward the beginning. Uh, I'll introduce myself a little bit more. Um, so I got a picture of my family we can put up here. So this is, uh, this is just the most recent picture of my family. It's not like disrespectful, sticking our tongues out at you. Um, this is just us being silly. This is my wife, Jenny, uh, my son, Owen, who's four, and my daughter, Lizzie, who is two, and the cutest and also just craziest wild little girl ever. And uh, they're over at our church. My wife's serving there this morning. Um, so this is my family. Uh, as Josh said, I live here on the east side. Um, I live over in the Zaragoza Park area, if y'all know where that is. Our church is seriously 1.1 miles from here. And so uh, we're neighbors. Uh, we're, I mean, we're right down the road. Uh, I drive by here all the time. Some families in our church go to school right here. Um, their kids go to school here. Uh, so I think it's real awesome. We planted last January. Um, we've been around a little over a year. And it's a beautiful thing, uh, as Josh was saying, to be able to labor together for the gospel here in the same neighborhood uh, as partner churches. And so um, uh, Tori and I have been connected in ministry for uh, years. Uh, we've known each other for a while through the Association of Hill Country Churches, a network that we're both a part of. And uh, I wanted to share a little bit about that, given y'all's theme of partners in the gospel. I want to talk just a little bit about, um, share a conversation I found between Tori and I from four years ago uh, from uh, Facebook Messenger. And so I went back and found in the archives something we were talking about when, we were, when I was like, uh, pray, how can I pray for you, Tori? And he was asking, how can I pray for you? And here, here's what he said. He said, man, pray for consistency. Uh, this is 2014. We just keep fluctuating up and down, 87, 74, 59, 77, the last four weeks. Uh, it would be nice to just gauge where we're at as a church, attendance-wise and leadership-wise, uh, and just pray. Also, we'd be able to figure out who we are and what our identity is. And so just, uh, I think it's neat to look now, the, reading those numbers, there's like double that in here just in this service. And so like, it's awesome uh, that, that God has blessed you guys, multiplied you guys, grown you. And so I prayed for him about that four years ago. And uh, he asked me, hey, Holland, how can I pray for you? And I was like, okay, actually, man, I feel the Lord calling me and my family. Uh, at that time, we didn't have those two kiddos. Uh, it was just my wife and I. And I said, I feel like the Lord maybe calling us to the east side to plant. And I was kind of nervous to tell him that, like, if he's going to be like, stay out of my neighborhood and, like, don't come over. And I was like, well, what do you, you know, what do you think? What's your experience been like, you know, and, and can you pray for me? And here's what he said. I love this. He said, it's a super hard area, man, uh, which is why people aren't planting here. Like, you really have to do gospel ministry, man. The work is hard and unstable. 
Uh, a lot of people are coming and going. It's very transient here. But with that said, man, I say come. We need other church plants, man, definitely. There's a lot of work to be done here, man. Tori <laughs> says man a lot. I just <laughs> uh, even typing on Facebook. Uh, and so I, what I love about that, though, um, that's what someone says when they really take this idea of partners in the gospel seriously, right? This was not territorial, uh, don't come down here and steal my people, you know, like stay, find somewhere else to church plant. It was we need more workers in the harvest field because there's work to be done. They can't all fit in here. Uh, we need more guys to come and plant churches and, and share the gospel and, and lead people to Jesus and love your neighbors down here. And so I got that sense from him, and, it, and God used that as a major thing that brought me to the east side. And so I just want to encourage you guys in that. Um, it's awesome to look back four years later and see how y'all have grown uh, from what Tori was praying for in consistency and leadership and sending, sending missionaries out, having a church plant, uh, church planter here that y'all want to send out soon. Um, and for us... It's awesome to look back and go, we have a growing church plan on the east side now. Um, Tori prayed for us about that. And, uh, and we're seeing lives transform. We've seen people come to faith. We've seen people uh, get baptized, make, you know, have major transformation in their life. Uh, we do a lot of work in the low-income housing community around here. Uh, so we meet in Mission Possible's building. If y'all have ever heard of them, big white church building, 100 years old. Uh, it's actually a church started by free, freed slaves about 100 years ago. Um, and then was abandoned, vacant for a while. A nonprofit took over it and started really serving the community. And we partnered with them uh, and do a lot with the low-income housing. We've seen people not just, you know, visit our church, but become like Christians and become members of our church that a year ago were just addicted to drugs and like beautiful things that God has done. Uh, and I think it's just like, yeah, I got a woo. All right, I need whoever you were, more of that. Uh, it's awesome to see the way that God has blessed uh, y'all and worked in our church and to really embrace this vision of being partners in the gospel. So I love y'all. Uh, I, and I, I'm honored to be here. It's a privilege to be here. Uh, and so with that said, as your brother, as your neighbor, as your partner in the gospel, uh, I'm excited to bring the word this morning. Uh, I want to I read from Deuteronomy 6. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Uh, it's something known as the Shema. If y'all have ever heard that before, I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, this is a, a, Jesus pointed back to this and said, this is the most important command in all of Scripture. And it's a passage that deals with uh, what I think is one of the most important and yet most often neglected practices in our faith. And that's simply our daily personal interaction with the Word of God. That's what I want to look at this morning. Uh, something all of us would say is important, I think. Uh, yet, what I've noticed in my own life and in my time in ministry and as a pastor, uh, when life gets busy, this is usually the first thing to go. Um, even though God says His Word is the very food for our souls, that we live by His Word, Jesus said, unless my words abide in you, uh, you will bear no fruit. Uh, I, I mean, it's hard to think of something more important for the Christian than, than abiding in the Word of God. And yet, when life gets busy, it's usually the first thing to go. Whether it's a new job, a uh, new relationship situation, or you got little kids running around the house and your rhythms are thrown off, um, uh, it's, it's, it gets set aside so often. Um, and may, So I want to just invite you guys, as I'm kind of setting this up, just to think about where you're at uh, in in your interaction with the Word and your relationship with the Lord. Because usually when we start to drift from the Word of God and we set that aside, um, our hearts start to drift from the Lord, right? Right? Am I the only one that struggles with this? 
No, y'all are liars. Why, tell the truth. You're in church. Uh, we all struggle with this, right? I mean, like, we, we, we get busy. We set the Bible aside and we're doing all these other things. Our heart starts to drift. We are all prone to wander. There's, we write songs about this. Come thou fount, right? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. That's in us because of our sinful flesh to wander from God. Uh, and so that might be some of you this morning. Uh, and if it is, I just I, I want to invite you to just be open about that and, and to say, uh, Lord, that's where I'm at. Like, like, don't hide that and don't pretend. Um, like, if you're here but your heart's not here, um, I, I pray that this morning would be helpful for you. If you haven't been growing in the Lord, haven't been bearing fruit in your life because you haven't been spending time in his word, listening to his voice, uh, I, I want to encourage you, uh, invite you back to that time with the Lord. Uh, and if it feels like you don't have time for that right now because of X, Y, Z, um, because of summer routines throwing you off or, or work, relationship, whatever. Um, I, I understand that it's something all of us struggle with, right? I, I struggle with this. As a pastor, I spend a lot of time in the Bible preparing to feed other people and, and sometimes neglect to feed my own soul. Uh, I, working on sermons or doing this stuff, and, and sometimes I, I just go, I've already spent time in the Bible. I don't need to read my daily, you know, time in the Word. And, and my soul has suffered from that. Uh, we all struggle with this. Uh, and so I want to encourage you, uh, take this morning as an invitation from God, uh, an invitation uh, calling you back into intimacy with him through his word. Wherever you're at, um, he is worthy of your devotion. He's worthy of your, uh, of your heart and your life and your worship um, to invest uh, in your relationship with God through your interaction with his word. He's worthy of that. Uh, our, our passage this morning is a call to saturate your life with the Word of God and uh, in order that it might stir up genuine love and affection for the Lord, uh, stir up real feelings of, of love and adoration in your heart that you might follow Him wholeheartedly. Amen? Amen. Uh, and so wherever you're at in your relationship with God and uh, in your interaction with His Word, I want to invite you, just hear from God today. Don't harden your heart when you hear His Word. Listen and and, and Draw near to him this morning. If you're not a Christian at all, uh, this morning you're maybe just scoping things out. I invite you to hear what we're all about, uh, and I pray that God would speak to you. I want to pray for that now um, as I share. I'll give our three points from the text, pray, and then read. If you're a type A person and you like to hear things up front, here you go. Um, our three points are to let God's word be on your heart, in your rhythms, and around your house. Uh, and I'll show where we're getting this from in Deuteronomy 6, but let's pray. Father, I, uh, I thank you for the opportunity to gather, to remember who you are and your grace, to hear your word. I pray each of us would just be honest with you right now about where our hearts are, what our time with you is like, and, and we would know that you're not disappointed in us or ashamed of us, but you are a good father who wants to just invite us back in to know you deeper through your word. Um, so speak to us, encourage us, uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, I'm going to start off with uh, the first three verses here, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. So I'll read this, and uh, it'll be on the screen as well if you want to follow along there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. First point, God's word be on your heart. Um, 
This passage is called the Shema because its first word here or listen uh, in Hebrew, that's the word Shema. So can everyone say Shema? Shema. All right, you learned a Hebrew word if you didn't know that uh, already. And uh, this is uh, a passage that has been uh, prayed twice daily by uh, Jewish people around the world uh, for uh, thousands of years. Uh, this passage is central uh, to how the, how the people of Israel has, have understood their relationship to God. They've prayed this morning and evening. These are massively important words. Jesus pointed to them as the most important command in all of Scripture. And so I want to give the context of this uh, and then dive into some real practical stuff. Uh, the context is that Israel had uh, been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years uh, because of their unbelief after being rescued from slavery in Egypt. And, uh, and so they, they did not believe in God, and so God sentenced them to 40 years of wandering, and that unbelieving generation has died off, and the new generation now is about to enter the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. So this is just kind of the setting, biblically, of where this is going. So uh, Deuteronomy is Moses' final words to the people of Israel before they enter the promised land. Moses is about to die. Joshua is about to take over. Uh, and so he, he gives them Deuteronomy, which means second law. Deutero, second, namas, or nami, uh, law. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law to Israel. Moses gives them the law and preaches to them trying to prepare them to enter the promised land. Uh, and so this, what we just read in the next few verses that we'll look at, most important passage in the whole book of Deuteronomy, um, all of Deuteronomy's theology and doxology are summed up in verses four and five. What I mean by that, theology, right, uh, knowledge of God, the Lord is one. Um, this, is, this is the reality about God. There is one God and he alone is to be our God. This is theology proper, the, the truth about who God is. One God, he is God alone. And then doxology, right, worship, Moses says, you shall love the Lord. Love him wholeheartedly. Uh, God had rescued them. He pledged himself completely to them, given himself to them, and the right and proper response is wholehearted devotion to God. That's what he calls for, and there's nothing that satisfies our hearts more than that. Uh, and so responding to God's loving kindness in worship, um, that's the command here. And then verse 6 says something interesting. He says, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Let them be on your heart. Why does he say that? Moses knows that, uh, that we have a tendency to let God's words be in our heads and somehow not land in our hearts. Like we can know the right stuff and yet not respond rightly in worship. Um, uh, so I see the same kind of thing with my children. Uh, again, my kids are two and four. Um, they are wild children. Uh, I love them, uh, but uh, they're just a lot. So I'll, let me explain a little of this. Our number one rule in our house is love and listen to mommy and daddy. It's based on this verse. Hear, listen, love the Lord. So we love and listen to mommy and daddy, trying to prepare them to love and listen to God. Uh, and so we say love and listen all the time. Our little kids know that rule. Uh, and so what happens is about 13 times a day, um, uh, our kids get into a fight about, they're fighting over some toy that they want, and they're arguing, and then pff, someone gets punched in the face, and uh, there's crying, and they're screaming, and my wife and I step in, and we're like, hang on, hang on, calm down, take a breath, what happened? Uh, what's our number one rule? And my son, through clenched teeth, says, love and listen. Correct answer, right? He, he knew the rule. Uh, and we'd say, very good, son. Is that what you're doing right now? No. <laughs> like, 
Jesse knew the rule wasn't on his heart while he was, you know, pounding his sister's face in. Uh, it's just the disconnect between the head and the heart, right? And, and so um, we can have the right theology without having the right and proper doxology. We can know the right stuff about God and not respond worshipfully. And Moses knows that. Um, James, the brother of Jesus, James 2.19, he says, uh, you say that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe that. Like, God is one, referring to this verse. James is saying, um, knowing the right facts about God, but refusing to love him in response is what demons do. That's not what the Christian life is meant to be like. Now, all of us do drift into that, and Moses is saying, hey, let his words be on your heart. Don't just know God's word, treasure God's word. Love God's word, delight in his word, and, and let it move you to delight in God. This is what, how we're called to live. Um, let his word take up residence in your heart that you would live a worshipful life, faithful to God, full of love and good works. Uh, and so that's the command here. By and large, Israel failed to do this, failed to heed this command. If you read through the rest of the Old Testament, because Israel, like the rest of mankind, has a sinful nature that, that all of us, um, not, not just Israel, every tribe, tongue, ethnicity, nation, every individual since the fall of Adam is born with a sinful nature, meaning the default orientation of our hearts is away from God, not toward him, to reject his words, not let them be on our heart, to rebel against his authority. That, that's what we're born into, our sinful condition. Um, all of us fail and fall short of living out this command. Uh, none of us in this room can raise your hand and say, I have always and only loved God with all my heart. I don't know about the rest of you suckers, but I always love God all the, every moment of the day. No, like, liar, you have not done that. All, none of us are righteous uh, in and of ourselves, like we are sinful. So this is the bad news, but the good news, what we call the gospel, is that there is one who has obeyed this perfectly. Jesus Christ uh, is the only one who perfectly, truly lived this out. Uh, all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his might was devoted wholly to God. That's the way that Jesus lived. If you don't know Jesus this morning, he lived a perfectly righteous life, always and only loving God. He's the only one who can say that. He's the true Israelite that has obeyed this. He's the true human who lived the perfect life that all of us have not lived. And yet... He offered that perfect life on the cross as a sacrifice, an atonement, a propitiation for our sins so that we could be forgiven for our unrighteousness, so that we could be forgiven for our sins, for our failure to love God, for our rejection of his word. Jesus goes to the cross uh, to pay for that. And then he rose again. Uh, Jesus didn't just die. He didn't stay in the grave. He rose in victory and triumph. So we sang that song this morning. The, the grave and death have no hold on us. Amen? Amen. Right? I mean, like, we're, if you're in Christ this morning, you are alive. You are forgiven. You are justified. His righteousness has been given to you. You are clothed in his righteousness. If you're not a Christian this morning, this is a free gift offered to you. You can receive eternal life in Jesus this morning embrace him. Come talk to someone afterward if you want to talk about that. And so it, through Jesus and being made alive in him, we can truly, though not perfectly, live this out. Because he is alive 
in us by the power of his Holy Spirit, we can really live a life where we treasure God's word. One of the new covenant promises is that God will give us new hearts that love him and he'll write his law on our hearts. We can really have his word on our hearts. And so as we hear his word, treasure his word, uh, our faith is strengthened to love him more. We're fed and nourished. And so I want to want to speak to this this morning. If, if, if this morning uh, you're just in this place, do not just settle for going through the motions of Christianity while your heart is far from God. Like if that's you this morning, I'm glad you're here and I want you to hear this. Don't settle for that. If, if that's you, I want to plead with you. Confess that and ask for prayer um, that, that your heart might be drawn near to God again. Uh, apathy toward God is a sin. It's a failure to obey this, to not love God uh, but our sins have been paid for, so you don't need to be afraid of confessing that. We treat it like we treat every other sin, right? So you, you find someone, don't be afraid of, uh, man, I, I feel like a, I'm a bad Christian because I just feel apathetic or God's, I'm not reading the word of God. Like, just confess that and feel the freedom that Jesus has paid for all your sins, even your apathy. No matter what is going on in your heart or how far you have drifted, you cannot out the cross of Christ. You cannot outrun the grace of God. How, however apathetic you might feel, God is faithful to pursue you and draw you back in. So tell somebody. Um, tell somebody. If you open your Bible and get nothing out of it, um, don't just be content with that. Wrestle with the Lord about it. Um, that's why I love the Psalms. Like David and the other authors of the Psalms, they don't put on a front before God. I mean, that, David sounds like a crazy person half the time. He's just like bearing his soul, but he's holy, you know, revering God as holy, but he's being honest about where he's at. I feel dead. I feel in the pit. And that's okay to pray that way. I'm angry about this. It's okay to pray that way. God, I just don't feel your nearness or your presence. It's okay to pray that. Uh, let the Psalms lead you in prayer. Uh, so here's, here's what I do. Before I read the Bible, uh, I pray Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Don't just let me be dull and not see anything and move on. Open my eyes, God. I want to see your glory. Um, Psalm 119, 36, incline my heart to your testimonies. Why? My heart is inclined to a bunch of other stuff. Daily things I got to do, Netflix, Instagram. Like my heart just inclines itself to other things. So God, incline my heart to you and your word and your testimonies. Pray these things. When your heart feels far from God, confess that. Ask him to help you that you might worship him. So Moses moves here now to some real practical things uh, about how you do this throughout your day. So verses 7 and 8, uh, our second point is let God's word be in your rhythms, your daily rhythms. Let me read this. You shall teach them, meaning God's words, you shall teach God's words diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. In your daily rhythms. This is an all-encompassing vision of saturating our lives with the word of God, weaving it into everything that we do. Um, so verse 7 gives these instructions to teach and talk about God's word, not just in worship gatherings. So yes and amen. This is, we read the Bible here. We preach God's word here. Absolutely. You guys do that every Sunday. But he's saying go further. You need to take this into your everyday stuff. Um, and so the reality is uh, we are always being discipled. I don't know if y'all knew that. We are always being discipled either by God's word or by the world. Every day, that's it. 
Um, either we are being shaped by the word of God or we, we are being shaped by the world. And so saturating our daily rhythms with God's word is one of the ways that we can not be conformed to this world, the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind through God's word. So this is what Moses is getting at. Verse 8, it says, bind God's word uh, on your hand and between your eyes. He's saying, take God's word with you into all that you see and do throughout your day. Um, later, they took this literally, the Israelites, and uh, they made these things called phylacteries. Everyone say phylacteries. Nice. Uh, so what phylacteries are, are these little boxes with scrolls in them that had these verses on them. And, and they would literally bind them to their head or their forehead or on top of their head or around their arms and on their hands, which sounds kind of goofy to us. I think it's awesome and we should bring it back. Um, but uh, the, the goal was to remind you to let God's word guide and inform everything you do. As they settled into the promised land, this idolatrous culture, uh, saying, let the word of God be with you, be with everything you put your hands to do, be with the way that you see, be the lens by which you see the world. God's word might guide you. This is how we're supposed to live. Uh, and so we bring the word of God into all of our daily rhythms. And uh, so look at the words in verse 7 again. So talk and sit and uh, walk and lie down and rise these are all things that you already do. Um, so be encouraged. Like, uh, you're already halfway there. Like, you don't have to add new rhythms to your life necessarily. What Moses is saying is take these existing things that everyone already does and be intentional with them. Weave the word of God into the things that you already do. Um, and so uh, I thought it'd be helpful to give a few practical examples of this. So when you rise, uh, it says there at the end of verse 7, all of us did this today. Uh, well done. Uh, you, you accomplished something. You, yeah, uh, uh, be proud of yourselves. You rose up today. So this isn't saying to add something new. This is saying you already have this, uh, this thing that you do every day. You rise up. Now, the question is, what do you do when you rise? What's your morning routine? For some of us, the first thing you do is you grab that phone and you check your Facebook notifications. Uh, or you check your emails. And not necessarily saying that's bad, but just imagine... Uh, if you just made one small change and you read, a, you read a psalm instead, and that was the first thing that you did when you rose, you read the words of God. Imagine how that might change things as you go throughout the day. Or when you sit down for um, Fruit Loops and coffee or whatever you eat for breakfast, oh, maybe you're healthier than me, uh, but uh, you sit down and you grab your, your stuff and just put your Bible next to it. And so instead of just rushing or scrolling on your phone, uh, eat your cereal, drink your coffee, and, and read a chapter of the Word, and let that be how you start your day. Um, if you have roommates or children, read something together in the morning and start your day like that together. Uh, be intentional. If you're one of those crazy people um, who goes running early in the morning, any of y'all, do we have anyone that's like that, y'all? No, okay, wow, okay, sorry, I'm not, saying, I'm not insulting you, you're not crazy. I just can't do it. Uh, that, I tried doing it for a little while, and uh, I think it's a great discipline. Uh, and I just, man, I couldn't keep it up for more than a few weeks. I was so exhausted. And so, but while I did it, uh, a friend encouraged me to do this, and I put in my headphones, and I listened to the ESV Bible in a Year podcast. And, uh, and so as I'm running, I'm not going to tell you how long I, I made it, but I listened to uh, a little bit of the word, and then I prayed in response on the way back, and I would talk to my wife. And it was awesome, except for the running part. Um, and, <laughs> but, but that was just one of those simple things. Hey, you're already going to do this. Just turn it toward the Lord. Be intentional with it. Nourish your heart. Uh, it also says, when you sit in the house, 
You're all going to sit in your house. You'll probably do that today when you get home. The question is, what are you going to do when you sit in your house? Uh, most of us is just entertainment or, uh, you know, nothing intentional necessarily. For my roommates and I, when I was in college, if we were all home sitting in the house at the same time, it meant one thing. Super Smash Brothers, like that's what we were going to do, um, and I just wasted a lot of my life on that video game, uh, and we could have been way more intentional with our time sitting in the house as roommates, um, uh, and so I'm not saying there's anything wrong with playing a game or watching a show, but uh, Moses is saying instead of always flipping on games or TV or sports or talking about those things, be intentional when you sit in your house with your family, with your roommates, uh, with friends, someone that you've invited over. Make the most of that time. Bring up what the Lord is doing in your life. Uh, bring up the word. Read the Bible together. Um, is that crazy for Christians to do? Uh, invite people over and just read the word together. Um, if you're married, I want to say the same thing. Read the Bible with your spouse. Sounds like a no-brainer, but it is shockingly rare, actually, uh, for couples to really do this together daily. Um, my wife and I really struggled to do this when we first got married. Our first year of marriage, I don't know what happened, but she just got real defensive around me about anything spiritual. And so, which, so I would say, hey, honey, let's, let's sit down and read the Bible. And she'd go, why? Because you think I'm, like, messed up and you want to fix me? What? <laughs> like, that, I did not expect that at all. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's just, like, what we should do. And there was just this, like, defensiveness that came out of her. Don't know why that was there, but uh, in my like uh, passivity and conflict avoidance, I was just like, okay, we're not talking about the Bible anymore and uh, just kind of retreated from that instead of shepherding through that like God calls us to as men. And I've talked to so many men who are there right now. If that's you, uh, if you're there and you're just intimidated to bring up the word of God at home, man, I, I feel you, I've been there, I know you fear rejection, that's uh, in all of us, but lead spiritually. Um, take the initiative with your wife uh, to Weave the word of God into your daily rhythms together to lead her spiritually by loving her and humbly bringing that into your rhythms uh, when you're sitting in the house or walking by the way, when you go walk the dog or whatever. Uh, bring up the word of God and, and encourage each other in it. Um, this obviously uh, applies to parents as well. Last thing I'll bring up on this. Uh, he says, teach your children the, the words of God diligently uh, and so I want to bring up, if you do have children, if you got kids here, or if you want to one day, you kind of desire that, uh, it is so, 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 so important for you to understand your calling to teach them God's word. Like to not just punt that to Sunday church or youth group or summer camps and stuff, but to really uh, make that investment to teach your children the word of God. Um, Children's ministry and summer camps are great, but they are not sufficient for discipling your children. That's mom and dad's job. Uh, and so Charles Spurgeon uh, has one of my favorite quotes about this. I love Spurgeon. I don't know if I've got any Spurgeon fans in here, but uh, Spurgeon said this. Uh, he's known for being the prince of preachers. He's even a better husband and father than he was a preacher, if you read about his life. And so here, uh, here's what he said, especially applicable to little children. As we sow, we reap. Let us from the beginning mingle the name of Jesus with their ABC. 
He's saying the same thing. Weave the word of God into everything you do. Teach in the alphabet. Sweet. There's actually a little book called The Biggest Story, ABC, and it teaches you the story of the gospel from A to Z. A, Adam, and B, God's world, beautiful. C, uh, the curse of sin, all the way to S, Jesus saves. Z, our everlasting life in Zion, new heavens, new earth. Sweet little book for like five bucks you can get on Amazon where you literally mingle the name of Jesus in the gospel, teaching your kids the ABCs. Uh, it is a beautiful thing that, uh, that we can do with our children. We can't change their little hearts, but we can sow seeds. Amen? And, and so we can sing and read and pray the word of God with our children. Uh, and, and when it says back in the verse, in verse 7, when you lie down. So for all of us, when you lay down, let the last thing you do before you, uh, you go to bed be to meditate on the word of God. And if you, if you do have children, um, make a bedtime routine where you read a verse with them. Uh, read the Jesus Storybook Bible uh, with them. Read the biggest story, ABC. Sing Jesus Paid It All when uh, you lay them down or brush their teeth. Uh, pray the Lord's Prayer when you tuck them in. Weave the Word of God into all these rhythms from morning to evening. Uh, whatever your age, life stage, family situation, relationship status, Moses is saying, bring the Word of God into it. Okay, you're like, it might look different from every individual in here, but bring the word of God into that. Um, your soul needs this, and, and God is worthy of it. Um, it's what shapes us into the image of Christ and helps us to love and worship him. And so let it be on your heart. Let it, the word of God be in your rhythms. And the last point here, let it be around your house. Um, so let me read this and explain. Verse 9, you shall write them, the words of God, on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Um, this is a simple instruction. Uh, what the Israelites did was similar to phylacteries uh, that they put on their hands and heads. They also had these things called mezuzahs. Can y'all say mezuzahs? Sweet. Y'all have learned some great Hebrew words this morning. Um, it means doorpost. And uh, similar, they had these little boxes with scrolls with these verses, and they put them on their doorposts, around their house, and on their gates uh, outside of their house. And the purpose was this way of kind of consecrating their home, saying, we're not perfect here, but we love the Lord. Uh, we, we don't have all our stuff together, but we belong to the Lord. This house is, uh, belongs to God. Uh, and it was a way of reminding you as you walk around your house or go to work or come back, um, treasure the word of God. Love him. Remember him. Uh, when you go off to work, do it to glorify God. When you come home and want to be served because you're tired, remember the, uh, remember the love of God in you. Uh, that he wants you to love your family and to serve instead. So it, this is kind of what's in mind here. I'm not saying that, uh, that uh, putting up a bunch of Bible verses around your house automatically changes your life. That would be awesome if that worked like that. Uh, it's not a magic trick. Uh, there were a lot of Israelites who had mezuzahs and phylacteries. Their hearts were far from God. And Jesus condemned the Pharisees because they had these big old phylacteries on their head to be like, look how religious I am. And Jesus said, you got big phylacteries, but uh, your heart is devoid of worship and love. And so um, this stuff is worthless if it's not done in faith. Uh, apart from faith, it's, or if it's merely done for aesthetic, decorative purposes, um, who cares? I mean, the goal of this is not to make your house cute um, with a bunch of stuff from Hobby Lobby, like put up, you know, cute little flowers with a verse that you never really look at. It's just for Instagram or whatever. Like that's not what I'm uh, commending you to today. Uh, but uh, it's, it's meant to help you, help prompt you to worship. So, so for those of us who have trusted in Jesus, uh, who have been redeemed by his blood, born again by his spirit, adopted by God the Father, who have these new hearts, uh, 
there, there really can be tremendous value for having Scripture in visible, in, uh, in, not invisible, in visible places and intentional places around your house. Because um, when you see it, the Spirit of God will use the Word of God to encourage you, to convict you, to, to work in your heart. And so I want to give a few practical examples of this. Um, the, the first one is a few years ago, my wife made a magnet with Mark 1045 on it. We were memorizing this as a family, our little verse. I don't know if y'all know it. It's the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's like gospel-rich verse. Y'all need to hear that. Jesus came to serve and give his life to ransom you. It's a free gift. Rest in the grace of Jesus today. Beautiful verse, unless you've just been a jerk and you walk around the corner and see that on your fridge, and then it's a real convicting verse. Uh, and so there were so many times, though, or like when I'd walk around the corner into my kitchen, and it's kind of messy, and there's dishes everywhere, and I'm like, I don't want to clean this up. And then I see that verse on the fridge, and I'm like, dang it, uh, Jesus came to serve. And, uh, and, I, and I, you know, I look away, but the Holy Spirit's like, I know you saw it. <laughs> I don't know if God's spirit talks to y'all like that. He's like, I know you saw it. You know what to do. Um, start doing it, cleaning up and stuff. And so that magnet became a powerful tool in my sanctification. Something simple like that. Um, a verse we've done recently is Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Um, this has been a beautiful verse for our family to meditate on. Our kids have memorized it. My little baby girl, Lizzie, uh, can recite this verse. Uh, and it's adorable. Uh, it's cool to see them, uh, their lives actually being shaped by it. We had a little thing of like, my wife made this uh, acts of kindness. And so they'd, we'd read that verse together and they'd pick an act of kindness to do throughout the day. And that list just sat on our table. Um, and then my wife made this chalkboard uh, recently um, that's in our, that's my little boy, Owen. He's the cutest. And uh, this is in one of his sweet moments. Um, she wrote, be kind, the two, uh, first two words of that verse up there, so that we would see that and remember in the frustrating moments, in the chaotic moments, in the moments where our flesh is incited, to be kind to each other. How kind has God been to us? And, and this has become like a, a, writing this verse on the board is this thing of saying, hey, we're about this. Be kind to each other. Our, our kids uh, have been loving it, and also they call us out on it. Um, last week, uh, I lost my temper, and my little girl uh, goes, Daddy, be kind. And she points to the chalkboard. She's like, Daddy, be kind. What and, like, and I was like, got me. Um, you know, and like, it's not just encouraging, it's convicting. And God's working through my children uh, in simple things like this. And so uh, it's helpful. If you're here, though, and you're like a single college dude or you're a young adult in your 20s or something, and you're like, I don't want some girly chalkboard in my house. I got a dude house. And I get it. Uh, I'm married and my wife makes cute things. I don't have that option. Um, there's nothing manly in my house. I get four square feet in the garage. That's my space. Everything else is all her. And, uh, and so, but that doesn't have to be you. Um, you don't have to do cute signs. Uh, if you jot a verse down on a notebook paper and just straight up glue it to the wall if you want to. Like, just write it. Whatever you want to do. Whatever your house looks like. Whatever your style. Uh, who cares? The point is that you have God's word in a visible place to prompt you to set your mind on him, whatever that looks like. Uh, and so here's one that I made that I, that, uh, on an index card. So here's, my, here's what I can do. Uh, index card and a Sharpie marker. Uh, it's Psalm 51, 2. This is the last one I'll share. Uh, it says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Love this psalm. 
Um, I put this over my sink because, as I already shared, um, doing chores, especially dishes, often makes me angry and annoyed. Um, just I'm a terrible person in my flesh. And so what I would often do, my tendency when I'm doing dishes, um, is to make a list in my head of all the reasons that I shouldn't have to be doing this right now. And so uh, I'm just going, I got up at this time, and I worked this many hours today, and I did them yesterday. I've been gone all day. They're not even my dishes. And I got this list going, you know, just angrily. Uh, just I know none of y'all do that. That's just me. Y'all never, you know. Um, just selfish, right? And so I wanted to change that. I, I was just like, gosh, I hate who I am when I do dishes. And uh <laughs> And so I got a note card and a Sharpie and some piece of tape, and I slapped this up uh, right above my sink one night. And now, when I, do, when I start washing dishes, I ask God to wash me. might sound corny to y'all. It has been life-changing for me. Um, I start doing dishes, and I feel that kind of like annoyance and you know, stuff creep up. And, and I just turn this into a time of confession and worship instead through this verse. And I go, I'm cleaning dishes. I'm going, God, clean my heart. It's nasty right now. <laughs> and, uh, and I just confess that. And, and I thank him for not begrudgingly washing and cleaning me when I ask him to. Uh, that, that my sins are not his fault, but he delights to cleanse me. Y'all know that? Jesus is good like that. Uh, this is, I want to encourage you this morning. When it, he delights to cleanse you from sin if you just feel like you're walking in sin, walking in darkness, when you confess that to God, he's not shaking his head and disappointed in you and ashamed of you and shocked, like, I can't believe you're doing that. Like, no, Jesus paid for that already. God is not shocked by your sin, and he's not kind of making his own list, going, you're struggling with that again, and I got to clean that up again, and this is not my fault. Y'all know how much stuff I got to do today? Like, God is not like, that's not the posture he takes toward you, toward us when we confess. God, God is a good father. He loves us as his children. When you confess to him, he is pleased to cleanse you, to wash you of your iniquity thoroughly, to cleanse you from your sin, to make you more like his son, Jesus. If you're struggling with sin this morning, confess that to God and know that he delights to hear you and cleanse you and wash you, that Jesus really has paid it all Amen? Amen? That's the beautiful truth of the gospel. And so, man, this chore that I used to hate, <laughs> through something simple, the word of God being around my house, it has become a sweet time of worship where I remember the grace of God and draw near to Jesus. God uses this to make me uh, more like Jesus. And so, as I close out, um, I realize that uh, what I'm saying is nothing extraordinary, or like revolutionary or new. Um, this is, you know, it's normal stuff. Uh, read the Bible and love Jesus is what I'm saying. Uh, saturate your life with his word. But I think the ordinariness of it is part of its beauty. God, God works through the ordinary, right? He works through the small. He works through the simple things. Um, a fridge magnet, a chalkboard, a note card by the sink. Um, these can all be powerful tools in the life of a believer. Uh, to help us see God's word and set our minds on him, to draw near to him. And so I'll close uh, our time together just with this encouragement and exhortation. Saturate your life with the word of God. Uh, let his word be on your heart, in your rhythms, around your house. Let it move you to worship him. If, if this is just not how you've been walking, uh, today is a new day. 
And God's mercies are new for us each morning. And so let today be a day where you go, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a step toward you to saturate my life with your word that I might worship you more, that I might uh, serve you more with more of a glad heart, that I might glorify you more with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my strength. Amen? Let me pray for us uh, and we'll close.